Oi, oi! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Touring with me, Craig Leach, and the beautiful Liam Sexton. Uh, first up, I'd like to continue to thank you guys for all the support that you're showing Talking Touring. Uh, we are making new friends every week, um, and it's it's fucking awesome. It's so nice to be able to bring that good vibe of touring. Uh, into into our homes right now. So thank you so much for that. This week we've got Derek Zanetti, aka the Homeless Gospel Choir, someone I've been lucky enough to tour around the UK with and Europe on multiple occasions now. And I was super lucky to be one of the uh, one of the people that got to see him do an incredible live performance in uh, in London at the start of 2020, the year we must forget. Um, so essentially, Derek is one of my favourite humans in the whole world. He, he's just a great person to be around on tour with a great attitude. And he's got a great outlook on life. Um, and I, I really think that someone like him on a tour keeps you kind of happy. Um, as weird as that may sound, but a lot of you will understand that. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this as much as we enjoyed chatting with Derek. Um, so here we go. Episode 8 of Talking Touring with Derek Zanetti. sunlight glare in there there we go you look Mate, you're looking great how are you bud i feel great um it's a brand new day we got a whole bunch of snow last night so instead of me digging my car out like a lazy butt i just put all my packages in my knapsack and walked down to the post office got <laughs> some fresh air um it's been um yeah we're doing pretty good how about y'all over there uh, it's, it's fuck all going. Nothing, nothing to report, unfortunately, mate. It's all the same. It's, I don't it's think great. I've ever been so understimulated in my life. Ever. <laughs> like I, I feel like, I mean, I, I look forward to. I never waited on the mailman ever in my whole yeah. life. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the post. It's coming. Yeah. But I feel like an old retiree now. I'm like, oh. It's almost noon. Mate, I get I to take my I spend pills my day and then wait for the uh, wait for the post. <laughs> my favorite thing now, I've got into wildlife and shit. It's well good. Brilliant. I love what do you mean flowers. wildlife? Tell me about tell me about that. Mate, wild garlic when it's in season, I'll pick that up and I'll cook it. It's fucking delightful. I, I mean, I just, oh. I'm just I'm just living the 80-year-old lifestyle right now. I love it. So you're doing you're doing some forage gardening. You're going out and picking wild a little garlic bit of foraging, and onion. Yeah. Bless. That's great. Dude, it's um, great. I did some, I, I replanted some garlic earlier on this spring. It turned out to be pretty good. Dude, it's um, powerful, that wild stuff. If you eat it every day, you might live to be 200. And smell like That's a, a bold claim. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're on Talking Touring. Let's not talk about wild garlic. <laughs> Derek Zanetti, welcome to Talking Touring. How does it feel to be on the greatest touring podcast that's ever existed? 
I've toured with you so many times, Craig Leach, and we've shared so many wonderful moments and memories that this is, um, it feels like you're the last person I was on tour with. So it makes me feel oh, like wow. yeah. um, we're, 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 it feels like we're in the same room and we're hugging. But I was going to say, it's, it's pretty ish. much a year to the day that we were hanging out. I yeah, think you guys been, flew home in about a year ago in six days. Yeah, I, I, I flew home on uh, February the 5th. And oh, wow. uh, they had a few days. They had a few days That's after right. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had my last. I had my headliner show in London, and then I then I then I stayed in that super weird, um, that super weird hotel, and then I went home. That's the next right. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, do you know what, actually that that goes perfectly into my first question for you about yes. touring, and it's like so that to me watching you perform that show in London was one of my 2020 highlights personally because I'd never seen a homeless gospel choir headline show. I'd always sure. seen you opening up shows and and just like just being there and and just seeing my friend do that was incredible. And you've been doing the acoustic touring for donkey's years now and you and you've, you're amazing at it and it's been incredibly good for you. I think you'd agree. And it's like now that you're tiptoeing into that, that full band vibe, what, what, which do you prefer? Like, I know it's two completely different experiences, like especially on the touring level, but like for like reward, is it that smaller show where everyone's singing those songs back to you? Or is it those, those more, wild full band loud shows um i think we've been fortunate enough um we've only had a chance as a full band because of covid 19 we've only played uh like 35 shows together yeah. um we we did some touring towards the end of 2019 we did two big runs and then obviously uh, we had plans to tour when the record came out yeah. but um there's something about the, a communal expression of joy and celebration that when you're doing it with other people on stage, there's no other feeling like it. Yeah. Um, to receive claps is fine by yourself, but to receive claps as a group of people who've made something special, it just, I love to be around people. I'm an extrovert. You know me, I'm always mm -hmm. up to go out and get myself a breakfast or go, yeah. you know, go go rub elbows with the locals at some weird pub like i'm always trying to have some sort of a human experience and you know for doing it 10 years alone by myself and touring and some of that touring is lonely wow. some of that touring is great because i get to be in a you know in a bus or in a van with somebody more fancy than me and i get to open up for them <laughs> and that's always nice um but i think i'd rather do it as the full band i like i like the the songs are better the parts are more interesting mm -hmm. the words stay the same and people still are able to connect with them which i think is a big piece of you know the puzzle yeah. um mm -hmm. but yeah i think i think i do like playing as a full band i can't wait for you to see it Craig Leach. Dude, i think it's going to curl your inner buddy wait <laughs> to see it oh, like this, i cannot like it was I was looking forward to it. I mean, I don't know whether anyone knows, so I'm not going to say anything, but there was a possibility, was there not, that you may have been coming over last year. So fingers crossed, 2022, yeah. that might happen. Well, it's hard to say what the future holds or if those offers are mm -hmm. still even available to us or, you know, it, the whole thing, you know, the thing that makes my heart feel so sad is that there are places where I've gone and I've made, you know, very special memories um, with my friends and with music and thinking that like some of those pubs and some of those clubs mm -hmm. are now closed up because of yeah. um, uh, quarantine and whatnot, that like 
I may never get a chance to go back yeah. to the key club in Leeds ever again. Yeah. And you know, what very if it true. doesn't exist? What if it doesn't exist? It's just a little teeny small no, very, independent very, yeah. mom. I didn't even thought about that. Type of a, like the, you know? that, the, that potential of just fully non-existent missed opportunities now. Like they they mm-hmm. could they could just be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I yeah, but I mean, as soon as we're able to come back to to Europe, you know, we're gonna. Yeah. Um, Dude, that makes me just happy. Tore, tore our butts off of. I mean, I, I want to anyway. And I think everybody else has been locked up for long enough that they're 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 pretty stoked about quitting their jobs and 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 getting out of there. <laughs> well, you I'll know, bet. you've got a TM in a front of house right here, ready to jump in that van with you and rub your That's toes because I know you like that. We'll get one of those nice sleeper vans where we can all cuddle in the back Ooh, and yeah. we can. It's gonna be sick. Just one bunk. That's it. No, That's no it. other bunks. Just the one. One very oh, big nice. bunk with one very large seatbelt. <laughs> there must be something that's quite nice about the ability as, as going on tour as a solo act as well to be able to just be like oh, i've had an offer to do this tour um well if they've got a bunk they've got a bunk spare i can just jump in that bunk and away mm-hmm. i go that must be like a real freeing possibility because obviously with a lot of the racks you kind of have to then sit down and work out your budget and figure out who's available then all your transport and hotels and everything else but if you're just like yeah got my guitar where's my bunk I'm sure, off. that must be amazing. It must be very freeing to do. I think even if I were to do it again, which I don't have any intention to go back out and play solo shows, even though I'm sure I will again in my in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I were to do it again, I think I would do it very much differently in regards to um, you know maybe playing to a laptop or playing to some yeah. sort of like a That's like cool. a house music and just like an an electric guitar, yeah. kind of like a Billy Bragg situation where there's like Sick. some looping, you yeah. know, what have yous. And I um I think that would be a I would I would be I would be interested in doing that again, especially if it's like, hey, this super big fancy thing's happening and all you have to do is literally get stoned and fall asleep on the bus <laughs> and then wake up the next day in front of the venue, in front of like, you know, hundreds of people. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. There's something actually quite magical I really enjoy about being a little bit high and sleeping on a bus is amazing it just feels like you're being buried underground in a very nice way mm-hmm. and just lullabied to sleep it's fucking brilliant it's great there there are plenty <laughs> of times where i the, the first couple times uh you know you're in a my first experience in like a bus type of a thing we were in something called a bandwagon now i don't know if you have oh, yeah. bandwagons uh, we don't have there. them here but i'm aware of what they are yeah Oh my lord! Feels things, like, right? You feel like you're gonna die every five minutes. <laughs> and I had a, I had a real, I had a real rough time getting, getting any sleep at all whatsoever. Yeah. So yeah. I had to get into very deep, like very deep, serious. Get super blown out of my <laughs> mind high every single night, so I could get some damn sleep. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, I miss oh, hearing like a bunk. Like we were lucky on that last tour that you and I got our own little area on the bunk, weren't we? We were just back there together, just having our little boyfriends. We had a little boyfriend's getaway in the back, Beautiful. and we we fun. had our we had our we had our sneakers just set up along the top. And I mean, yeah, sure, we made a mess sometimes, and certainly it wasn't you know. <laughs> I like the to think I'm a very tidy bunk mate. I'm sure you would like to think that. Yeah, I was going to say, you're definitely not a tiny roommate in a hotel. 
Um, I always I always consider myself to be the most fit in the group, yeah. but you know that, that doesn't always <laughs> that doesn't always prove to be true. <laughs> I love that. So like as like so all that history of doing it on your own, like obviously you're mm. you're super DIY and you you have a massive following all over the place. Um so when you're on tour and you're struggling with internet and stuff like that, how are you? keeping that freight train of the homeless gospel choir like rolling like because you you package all your own merch when you're at home and you you send all this stuff out you're constantly creating like how do you keep that machine rolling when you're not in the office i that's a wonderful question and i don't i don't know how i like things to happen on accident sometimes and i think they're more special when they do yeah. and i have even taken my store down when i've been on tour and i mm-hmm. you know i put it up when there's something new to share um I, if i wanted to and i just wanted to be just work in a warehouse i could have some new t-shirt up every other week and and mm-hmm. make it you know make it a thing and then i'm always at the post office and i'm always shipping things and i just don't think that that's you know what i want to do and you know whenever my i, I like to I'm not good at it yet, but I have been working on being present and that, you know, whenever I'm on tour, I just want to be on tour. Yeah. And I, I, mm-hmm. I've, I'm, 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 I'm taking a class actually right now about how to switch things over to an email list. So I don't think I'm going to nice. be relying as much on social media as much anymore, because I do think that we're coming into a place where, you know, they realize that you want to get your message out there to say something and they know that you're willing to pay a price to do it. So every mm-hmm. time, you know, you just show a picture of like a hot dog, they're like, oh, this is great. And we'll let everybody see it. But if you wanted to promote something, they're like, oh, you want your back scratched too. We're going to have to charge you an arm and a leg for it. So I'm trying to usurp the powers that be and bit. just rely on my own. You know, I, I I don't have a massive email list. I bet you I have maybe 7,000 emails that I've collected over, you know, the course of my whole life mm-hmm. of an email list of people that are into my music that are like the, you know, the, the folks who are in like all the way down that I, whenever I send out an email and I say, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. There's some sort of like a response. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm not so much interested in like missing out on what's happening on the internet as much as I am in keeping like a consistent, um, you know, touch with the folks who are stoked about your shit. And they're like, what's going on this week? This week is a writing week and I'm watching Pee Wee Herman and I'm eating acid. Every day, um, <laughs> and loving life, <laughs> just living so, the fucking dream. <laughs> so this is what you're getting this week, and it's just like a, a constant. It's a constant. It's a constant. Just like an update, like a reminder, uh, you know. And it's been. It's it's a lot better than feeling like I have to be tied to social media and like you know who likes my t- oh you know this 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 person who's uh more you know more well liked than me didn't like my tweet this time maybe uh-huh. i've i've lessened in value and then there's the whole anxiety of you know nobody's seen you play a live show in a year maybe people forget about you you know there's i mean certainly there's all these things that are happening inside my mind that i don't vocalize out on the internet but they're certainly back there and yeah. i just figured yeah. well we things are going to happen is definitely I think, well, I personally have, since we started talking to him, we've, we've kind of decided to engage with social media and it's something I'm fucking terrible at it. And mm-hmm. it's something 
that I didn't realize how much of a game it is. Like, it's so complicated. And like, if you really want to get involved in it and and try and make it as as profitable and successful as you can do, like you just said, you you have to like really dig deep and check your algorithms and check all this information and and you know pay money to get yourself pushed to the fore, to the front of of the queue with people's stories and and on their news feeds and everything else, which is insane i mean it's obviously it's a market so you kind of get it but it is absolutely insane but i really like the idea like you're saying like just having like a personal touch and keeping in touch with people but not not forcing yourself into that that world fully yeah. is, is super important i think and you're just one of a thousand punk bands who are trying to get somebody to buy a fucking t-shirt yeah. or a, you know <laughs> a, a thing or whatever and like if you're not careful, it just looks like you're you're a hot topic, and you're just like, can you just keep on funneling your money here so I can continue to make my thing? Yeah. And I don't know, it, that just seems kind of gross to me too. Yeah. Um, if it's you know, I'm I'm a firm believer if if you make something if you make something that you really truthfully believe in, mm-hmm. other people will believe in it too, and they'll believe in it so much that they'll want to support you to continue to do the thing that you're doing. I'm not that good of a guitar player, and I can't hold a tune all that well but I think the people see that I really mean the thing that I say. Yeah. And there's a, there's a belief that comes along with it. And they're like, they want it. They want to go ahead and support it. So for me, that's, you know, I don't have them. I don't have, I don't, I don't know about all the, all the businessy stuff of, of the internet. Yeah. Um, no. I just know what works for me. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have a better answer. <laughs> no, it's a great well, I think answer. that's the most, the most punk way to think, to think of things. Anyway, I think that's, that is essentially a punk ethos as far as I'm concerned is, if if I believe in what I do enough, other people will will see that I believe in that. It doesn't matter how good I am at it. It doesn't matter if I'm the best in the world. Sure. As long as I give a shit and my heart's there, then people are going to appreciate me for what exactly it is that I'm doing. Not because I'm fucking incredible, but because I'm honest. I think mm. that's incredibly punk, which is amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful I mean, thing. So so when you like like you just say there like your your product is is very honest and it's very open and you talk about a lot of subjects that a lot of people wouldn't really want to even vaguely go near in a social situation then you get up on a stage and you're you're shouting in people's faces and you'll you'll delicately tell people and you'll usher people to 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 like hear what you've got to say but when you're in in but fuck nowhere Prague or you're in um, <laughs> Germany and there My is a language place in the world. <laughs> how like how does that work for you? How how have you made that side of the homeless gospel choir like cross that that barrier? I think I think there are a few um, basic fundamental things that we all look for in in another whenever we go to find somebody to trust whenever we go to find somebody to give our belief to say, I believe you and I believe in you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there is a way that you could quickly set a precedent for that. And I try and accomplish that quickly when I, you know, if I'm opening up a a gig in Warsaw, Poland, and no one knows who I am, I have to make sure that people know um, if there's a language barrier, Hey, this is, my name's Derek. And these are, these are just acoustic songs. These are punk rock songs on an acoustic guitar. Today, we're going to talk about, the war in Iraq. <laughs> da, 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 da. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about these things. These are just some songs I wrote about my feelings and these things that I see in the news. Um, if you want to talk about it after the show, I'll be in the back. Come back and say hello. I love that. So, like that. That openness to like come and talk to me about it. If you if you didn't get it, I, I I don't think a lot of bands do that and like leave themselves 
as open as I see you do on stage to someone being like, well, I've interpreted it this way. And especially in a different language. Mm. I I think there's something important about making art accessible. And Mm. like, we should be celebrating art in our everyday in the, in the, in the way that you present yourself and the way that you speak in the way that you, you know, that, that we shouldn't be ashamed to make something beautiful and we shouldn't be ashamed to make something personal and, and honest and, and, and true and good. And um, I think that if, in order to give people courage to let them know that it's good for them to make art too, because it's good to do it, man. If you're frustrated, if you're, if you, if you feel unheard, if you feel like you've been beaten up by the world, there's nothing better than a, than, than, than making some art to say how you feel about your crummy boss or your shithead dad, or like any of the things that, you know, Mm -hmm. you feel like you have against you in your life. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if people can, bear witness to what it's like for a common average looking person to go up there and be truthful about their about their story i hope that it gives other people courage to do it too and i think that more than anything else that's probably my 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 great goal dude i that's fucking beautiful. love listening to you talk <laughs> it makes me so happy it makes me miss you so much i miss you too buddy dude i really do well, that's I such a wonderful something. way of putting things yeah that was that was lovely i love that but then I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna move slightly over in a different direction on that okay. one because uh, on the last anti-flag tour, um, you were you were you were with us and uh, you were you were helping us out with drum teching sometimes when you were I was. available. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, if if you decided to walk away from the band kind of touring, do you would you see yourself um, moving into the well, like a, a a technician role or a tour manager role, or you would always be in the creative. Side. Up. <laughs> now I've sold, I've sold t-shirts before. Um, and it's mm-hmm. not very, it's not rewarding. It's not worth no. not being, it's not worth, it, it was worth not being at home for when I was young and I had, and I, and I, and I'd never seen things before. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I can get a ride out to California and $10 a day to eat on. <laughs> all I got to do. And, and all I got to do is sell these stupid t-shirts. Sick. I'm in. Yeah. But now, like I've been to California a million times and yeah. I don't, you know, if I want, you know, I, I would love to go back, but I'm not willing. To, I, I don't know if I'm willing to take the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Caltrain, uh, yeah. there to get the, you know, to, to go to California. So you make not, a great tour manager, man. I know. I, I think I'm, I, I thank you for saying that. <laughs> I, 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 I disagree. I'm, I'm too, I'm, I, I, I love, I love, I love the, I love to go there. I, I love to, I, I, I wouldn't, I'd be a terrible employee. I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> I would be terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Like even Craig, even Craig's like, hey, we can go ahead and give you some money to drum tech every day. And I was like, I've never drum tech. And he was like, well, just do the things I tell you to do. And I would do them, but I just felt like I was standing around like an idiot. <laughs> Hey, we really needed you to uh, to wake up early to help load it. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you did. I don't know. If, I don't know if you witnessed me literally rocking every night, but it does take a lot out of you. Or do you think you could wake up a little early to help us carry the 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 guy's shit in? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I can't see you in line to be uh, the next drum tech for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know what you mean about um about selling t-shirts though. I started out as a merch guy as well, but for the exact same reason. I was just kind of like, well, fuck it, I can get out there. I definitely can sell t-shirts and someone will pay me 
a very small fee every day to do it and I can just start meeting people and getting my name across but it is an incredibly thankless horrible task because you're like you're usually like one of the first people in the venue you're usually busy all fucking day you pretty much always miss dinner because it's never at the right time and you're the last person out in the evening as well Mm-hmm. You're just constantly busy all the time, and you have so much financial pressure on you as well to like look after all of this fucking cash. Yeah. And um, you have to lie. You have. Yeah. I've never <laughs> met an. Listen, I, I. You have to lie. You have to lie as a as 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 a souvenir salesperson. You're at war because the band yeah, wants. Yeah, you'll fit in a you, small. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you want the band to sell things while you're there, so you want to yeah. get. You're proud when you give the band a whole bunch of money and say, "We've never had a night like Dublin like this before." It's probably because I'm out on the road with you and really, you know, yeah. <laughs> shoveling it out there. So there's that aspect of it, but then there's also the aspect of the venue, and the venue's like, "Oh, if you like, you know, why would we book this band to come back? They don't even sell T-shirts." So like, you have to. I, I every chance I have, I don't do it. I don't. Yeah. I don't pay. The, I'd never pay the merch fee. But there no. are people. There are people who who I feel got, like it's a moral responsibility to do it. Yeah, I got in trouble um, in Birmingham once to arguing with a promoter um, over over a fee, and then I the band's management then got in touch with me to be like, "Why didn't you pay them?" And I was just like, "Because I think they're fucking mugging us off." Mm-hmm. And and the manager was like, "Well, we agreed this," and I was like, "Well, you shouldn't have because we walked out there, and we didn't pay a fucking thing, so you're now like three hundred quid up or whatever it was." Yeah, and it was just like, and then I got an email from the venue being like, "It was agreed you were going to play this," and I was just like, "Well, why? Get a bin. You didn't do anything <laughs> like." And then your person yeah. on the day that came to collect money when I said no to them didn't really fight me on it, so <laughs> I just kind of went, "All right, well, I'm not paying you." <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Derek, but that's how we actually first met. Our first meeting was um, us discussing the merch rate in uh, Leicester 02 Academy. I won't do it. <laughs> no, I, I remember you saying that to me then. You were like, I'm not paying this. And I was like, yeah, I completely understand. <laughs> I'm not going to make you pay it. How, how did yeah. you guys meet? So you were opening for Frank Turner. Yeah. Um, I was the promoter rep on that show. So Frank was opening um, a festival yeah. in Leicester uh, called Handmade. Um, and you guys played the night before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, how we very first met. I just, I, you know, I figured out the ways to snake out of doing it. And I just stick with my guns. If you, Absolutely. If they can't make, like, then you'll never play here at the O2 Academy again. I was like, <laughs> okay. Then you can... Then you can catch my tears in five-gallon buckets and baptize your children in it. I don't care. I, I, you, you think you're the only place in the UK I can get a show at? Yeah, I get, exactly. And, I'm on. I'm getting paid two hundred dollars a night. You think I'm gonna go ahead and, and and give you that in the in the souvenirs? Yeah, get it is ridiculous. out of here. I do absolutely fucking hate that shit. Like when I've been touring as well as the tour manager, it is something that I always put into our rider. I'm like, we will not be paying this. Yeah. And that usually ends it with a conversation on the day. And I'm like, right, okay, well, look, I know exactly what this crowd is like. I know exactly the age range. And I know that your bar is going to do a fucking killing on this show. You sure. don't need this fucking money. Yeah. So yeah. how about if you make a good amount on the bar, come and see me afterwards and I'll get the guys to sign you some vinyl and some CDs and some T-shirts and you can use it for charity auctions for later on down the line. Nine times out of ten, that usually works. Yeah. Which is pretty like good. Because you don't feel as shitty because you're offering something for charity. And then if they say no, it's like, well, well, you're a piece of shit because yeah. I just offered you some charity. Sure. <laughs> 
with with your with your touring like history, where you are, you're making friends with the likes of Frank Turner, as you were saying, and then like all these big names that are being huge in the punk scene. Like, how how did you meet them? Did you meet them through their touring circuit, or was that through uh, appreciation of each other's music, or or did you literally just go, look, I'm coming on tour with you. Get on, get on. Um, <laughs> By the way, I, I am coming. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not good at music businessing. I'm not good at it. I don't know the ball. I don't know how to play ball. Yeah. So I just, I don't do well with it. But I just, if there's something that I think is a good idea, I'll just say it. And if the person agrees, then it happens. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, Frank, um, Frank Turner and I, we played a show in Pittsburgh together mm-hmm. and we both, and this is back whenever I was drinking a whole bunch too. Mm-hmm. And we got, um, I was absolutely just smashed out of my head and we all took our shirts off at the end of the night and we're drinking whiskey and, you know, to Ralura, Lura, the whole bit, <laughs> um, singing the, singing the, singing the songs. And I said, you know, before you get too famous, Frank, you're going to have to, and this is a small club. This is the first time you played Pittsburgh. There's maybe 120 people in the room. And I was wow. like, before you get too famous, Frank Turner, you're going to have to bring me over to Europe so that I can play, you know, some of those big shows with you. And he was like, get in line, mate. There's a million people ahead of you, that want to, you know, <laughs> don't want to get a bite of that sandwich. And I was like, right on, no worries. And just over the over time in years, you know, I would just, hey, how's it going? I hope you're doing well. Um, I heard, you know, this record and, and and you're coming to Pittsburgh. If you want, you know, a buddy to go take you to get a sandwich, holler at me. And we just built like a very natural, organic friendship. And then mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he was more famous. My only experience with Frank Turner was in that little teeny club of 120 <laughs> yeah. people. I didn't know he opened the Olympics. I didn't know he I didn't know he was super fancy and like selling out Wembley Stadium and having Billy Bragg open for him yeah. and like <laughs> all this other mess. And I was like, Woo, homeboys got it. So I yeah. Um, I find that crazy is like how how we all like we meet our clients that turn into friends mm-hmm. and then we kind of start to see like I see everyone I work with, however big or small they are, as as a friend that we're all on the same level. And then you go to certain regions and suddenly they're fucking, their head's on a billboard and you're like, Jesus, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is that? Why why do people want to look at your face kind of thing? It's mad. Were you, were you, um, did you go to Russia with us with Anti-Flying? In 2015, I, no, I flew home for that one. And then I joined you after Russia because I didn't have a visa. That's whenever I knew that anti-flag was a super big deal. Yeah, because we we were on the train from in between Saint Petersburg and Moscow, and you know it's like a ten hour to ten hour train ride, and it's mm-hmm. super duper bumpy. And we get out there, and it's cold. I mean, it's pitch black out there, and it's cold, like super duper cold. And there's kids in these big, huge, like furry parkas, and 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 you know the whole bit, and um. They have these old magazines from like 2002 and mm. like old posters and like an old anti-flag <laughs> t-shirt. And they were like, um, please, we, you know, will you sign, will you sign our things or whatever? And, and it was the first time I'd ever seen anything it's like mad, that. Isn't it? It was, yeah, it's wild. And, you know, back in Pittsburgh, it's like, oh, it's anti-flag. Or front, my buddy's an anti-flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, you got to, I mean, they were, you know, they were going through people's pockets looking for guitar picks and and tickets to the show and like I, I got a lot of his money because like Chris number two would just have like a whole pocket full of tickets yeah like come on out and get you know <laughs> get your ticket for the gig the pie pie <laughs> yeah right I 
amazing. It is, it is funny. It is funny to see that. Though. Oh no, it's, I, I, it's, I love it. Like it, it surprises me every time I see it. And like, for you, Liam, I mean, like he works with idols that have just grown and grown oh, exponentially, wow. yeah. and it must be so weird having like known them from tiny to. They're huge. It is funny because like I've 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 only worked with them for the last two years, but um their manager I'd known for a long time and I'd been fucking hounding him for I don't know, five years, <laughs> something like that. Sure. To be like, do they need a TM yet? Do they need someone? Do they need anyone? And eventually got the gig. So I'd already kind of knew about them a lot anyway, and seeing them sort of go from like end of the first album to the, to the second album into um Ultramano, which is the latest album, they're like like huge now. And yeah. it is like you like you were just saying, Craig. It's really strange to think that like, these are just my mates. Yeah, they're famous. You know I mean? It's like, but <laughs> everyone knows who they are. It's really odd. It's really, really odd. Craig find Leach it weird. is the one that put me on that band. Oh, huh? really? Oh, yeah. I have. I went out. I bought Ultramano the day that it came out. They yeah, were buddy. A, they were doing a promo at the record store, the local record store here called Government Center. And oh, if nice. you were if you were of the first three people to buy the record, you got a signed poster and a bag of guitar picks. Oh, sick! That's fucking cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So I, I didn't I, even know that. That's I, cool. I, well, I liked, I liked. Uh, hopefully, the guys from the band will never see this, but um, <laughs> I loved. And well, man, well, it's good too. But I loved that first album so much that I bought the other two just on principle. I was like, yeah. the first record was so special. Even if the second record's not going to be as good, which it wasn't, it was still, <laughs> it was still sick to have. And yeah. then when the third record came out, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter because it's uh, they're making this thing now, and I like it. And I, I, I like all their albums. I, the first one is my favorite, but the oh, other same. two are just the other two are just as fun. Same, same. Like that that album is so raw and aggressive and passionate and just it's so emotionally open all the way through. Yeah. It's beautiful. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. But let's get off idols because they're probably going to be on this podcast at some point later on. So right. we'll talk about them another time. Hey, hey, idol, <laughs> idols band. Um, the homeless gospel choir. We're a punk band and we're the best. So just get us slide us into one of those opening slots. We don't ask for much and we clean up when we leave. Sick. Uh, <laughs> You're there in. it is. It's on record. Right. I love it. Cool. All right then. Well, I tell you what. Let's do a couple of our, our talking touring questions. Are you really ready for this? I sure am. All right. So we always ask top five venues, but it's really hard to work out whether that's top five venues, whether where you've seen a show, played a show, walked past, whatever. So answer it however you like. But I I like it as where you've played. So your okay. top five venues that you've played in the world. Uh, in the world. And um, why? <laughs> okay. 500 words on each. Um, <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Mr. Small's Theatre in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, only because I've been going to shows there since I was much, much, much younger. And to be able to play there in that room where I've seen so many important bands has been super special to me. Amazing. Um, the Sinclair in Boston, Massachusetts might be one of the best sounding rooms. They have the best catering. They have the best guest relations. They have a, a room aid that lets you know you have five minutes. They put mm. out, they give your they give you your rider to the full every time. Perfect. It always it always sounds amazing though. Like the sound guy remembered me from last time, had notes whenever, you know, it was <sighs> sick. It was super He's got a little sick. black book of what to do. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's probably up there in my top five. Um, it's always had been a dream of mine to play the Grog Shop in Cleveland. And I did have a chance to play that place a couple times just because, you know, I can remember seeing flyers 
when I was a kid, like this is where the get up kids would play. Yeah. Or this is, you know, this is where, um, you know, um, at the drive-in played and you're like, Oh man, this is a place that I got to play too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've had a chance to play there a couple of times. Um, I think um, I like playing. I like playing the maps room in London. I thought that was a that was a that maps was a room. fun. Which one's that? Yeah, um, um, uh, it's called the the well the Boston Music Rooms. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's one there's called there's a little room and then there's a big room called the maps room. I don't know why I they didn't called know it that. was called that. Yeah, but that's what was on our flyer anyway. And I had a good I had a good show there. Um, I played a show one time in Paris in the back of the Moulin Rouge, and I thought that yes. there's that there's that little there's that venue that's kind of behind it that has yep. like all the glass on the ceilings and the yeah. red leather benches. Um, yeah, we played we played there one time on tour with Frank Iero. Um, that was super duper fun. I liked I like playing. I, I haven't had the best of luck in France, um, but I did like that one pretty. When good. was that? When was that show with with Frank Iero? That was um, that was in 2015. That was oh, okay. the, that okay. was the the beginning of 2015. All right, I see. His his manager was there when we were in Paris in like 2018, and he was doing okay. a show. I might have been with someone else, but he was at a show at the Moulin Rouge. I was like, "Fuck, maybe it was the the same place." But I've I've done that venue as well. It's so weird. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. it was like you know that you're in downtown. You know you're right yeah, in the heart yeah. of it, and then you go through this alleyway, and there's like this. It's like a cool little club. Yeah. Um, I did it with uh, with brand new, like four or five years ago, I think it was. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah, it was really, really cool. But then I think I spoke about it on the podcast before and it was like we were loading out and it was just fucking carnage because it was like Saturday night, center of Paris, like people were just sitting on your fucking cases, pushing sure. shit out of the way. It was just crazy, crazy. But the the venue's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the last place I would say is I only played one show there and I don't think they do shows there anymore. But there was um there was uh something called the Pearl Street Gallery in Hamilton, Ontario, mm-hmm. and you had to take an elevator, a freight elevator, up to the second floor, and it was just this big, huge homemade art gallery, and everything Sick. was it was all done in Coliseum style seating made out of pallet wood, so like it was all <laughs> made by and all the chairs, like all the seats in the outside were like your grandmother's old plastic sofa, Amazing. and you know an old wooden chair from a barber shop and that was <laughs> all the seats around there and it was super unique and super duper cool and like that'll always i did a tom waits cover it was it was a great show sick i've heard on tour mentioned a few times i think um two mentioned it recently as well when he was mm. on and he was saying like it's like a, a huge part of the punk scene um, in Canada yeah. is is based in ontario which is something that me and craig never knew about it's amazing yeah, I, I had no idea about that yeah yeah, it's punk rock still does really, really well up in Canada. Have you got any good, um, good border crossing stories from uh, coming into Canada? <laughs> they are I not have. friendly people on that border. They are not nice. <laughs> no, I have. <clears throat> There's a whole number of them that I've had. Um, I went over there one time with a hip hop guy named Spoken Nerd, and I told Sick. him, um, I said, don't we're going into buffalo and we're coming out of buffalo we're just playing two shows so just bring enough souvenirs for two shows because they're going to yeah. pull the van apart they want you to count everything in and yeah. count everything out and they're they're you know they're usually just an absolute you know nightmare but nathan is not he loves to stick to his guns <laughs> and he said, well, you can't sell what you don't bring. And he brought every piece of merch that he had <laughs> into Canada. 
And they pulled us out of the van and they said, what are you doing? I said, we're up here to make music. And they're like, do you have a work permit? I said, no. And they're like, well, what do you do for work? Well, I'm a musician. So you're up here for work. I said, no, these shows aren't paid shows. These are just, you know, donation shows, which wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we're just here to to play music for these people. There's not going to be any exchange of money. And they're like, well, what do you plan on doing with all those souvenirs? Are you going to sell those? (laughs) And they're like, no, we're just giving those away too. <laughs> like, you know, tried to tried to sneak out of it or whatever. Well, um, they go ahead and they start ripping everything up and, and they get to the bottom of it. And Nathan has a shirt that says, I love the police. And it's about it's a joke song about being best friends with the cop from down the street. <laughs> and like they saw it and they're like, What's up with this shirt? And they're like, Yeah, it's just a, you know, it's about, you know being nice to the cops you know what do you want from me and they they're like we'll take two and they bought two the security (laughs) the the labor guards bought two of the t-shirts and let us go into canada no malarkey that's amazing that is incredible but but i've been caught at the border so many times i went over there with frank iero and we weren't allowed through because evan from the band had a graffiti charge from whenever he was in high school and they and he had to go ahead and pay like you know, two hundred and eighty dollars or whatever it happened to be to you know let him into the for one show that we played up in Montreal. Um, mm. I got food poisoning in Buffalo one time from some bad chicken wings, and I didn't have the proper work permit to go play the Canadian Music Week, and I missed the first three shows of tour, and I was just on the toilet, you know, with the worst food yeah. poisoning of my life. Um, yeah, so I've had bad times in Canada. I mean, I've had bad rough times in Canada, like ten. I still haven't done it. I, I really want to do Canada. It's really good. I did Toronto yeah. last year. Not last year, year before last, sorry. And it was amazing. We had like an incredible time. The venue, we did the Danforth in Toronto, which is a beautiful venue. It kind of looks a little bit like a small scale uh, Brixton Academy. Like it has that yeah. sort of like pitched floor that goes down. So wherever you are, you can always see. Um, yeah, it's just like a really good time. Like the guys from Mets came out and hung out for a bit and said hello, which was cool. But yeah, like the, the border crossing is the least stereotypically Canadian experience I've ever had in my life. Like even doing like into places like Serbia and Romania and stuff like that is like difficult, but you know, it's it's achievable. Canadian border was fucking horrible. They were so mean to everyone, so rude. Just mentioning I, I, the Serbian border, actually. That was the first time I got like the first tour you and I did, Derek. Yes. I remember the day you may have been asleep, but we got stuck on the Serbian border for nine hours. You I remember that? No. Oh yeah, we got fucked over hard, like trying to get in, like getting getting stuff stamped and getting passports done. Everyone came out, did their passports, and uh, the carnet had been stamped on the ex uh, on the import page when it was being exported. So we basically got all the way through, and then when we got to the Serbian side, they turned us around, and we got a police export ex escort back into Hungary, and then had to queue up again, and all that fuckery, hours and hours and hours. I think yeah, I think everyone else has gone back to bed or whatever, and so I'm still fucking around. What got us in in the end? was um, a guy pointed at me, like ran over from another station, was like, you're in a band. And I was just like, no, uh, I work for a band. He just lifted up his T-shirt and it was Iron Maiden. He goes, Iron Maiden. I was like, Iron Maiden. He was like, come with me. I was like, why the fuck didn't that happen nine hours ago? He just he gave you the, how did, how did you get out of it? What did he have? What was Dude, his? He, he literally, he was like, took my paperwork, 
right, got got it stamped, then walked with us, escorted us with the bus down to the uh, Serbian border, walked into someone, said something like half an hour tops, and we were through. I couldn't wow. believe it. It's good to know. You know what's great about Europe is that the punks look out for each other over there. You're like, oh, you're yeah. in Iron Maiden? Yeah. Sick. We must have the same friends somehow. Let me sort you out. Love I think it's it. awesome. That's my favorite thing too. about that punk community. Like, it's just, it's wonderful. I had a hard time getting out of Serbia when I was there because I'd gone in. I didn't have a car or anything. I'd gone in. I was looking after an Icelandic band. So there was me with uh, an English vehicle, um, my English passport, five people from Iceland, um, no carnet, a bunch of gear from John Henry's in the UK and some gear from Gate to Hell in, um, in Germany. And I remember like I dropped the guys at the airport and then went to drive. I was like driving solo back to the UK on my own, just in the van. And they stopped me on the board and they were like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, like, why are you here? Like, I don't like trying to explain to them like what I was doing. They just couldn't get it. Cause it was like, there's so many different things on this fucking yeah. car. Sure. I don't understand where you've been or why you want. Just leave. It's fine. Yeah, just keep just, going. Just go. <laughs> yeah. That much of a thorn in their side. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, that was your top five, I think, wasn't it? That was fine. I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. All right, then. Which... So, top tip for touring. And that, that could be for living on tour or advice you'd give to someone that was about to go on tour. Um... Sleep is super important. Um, there will always mm-hmm. be an there will always be an after party. I want you to know that there will always be an after party some other night that you can go to. Yeah. There will always be more beer. There will always be more drugs. They're not going away, <laughs> and they're not going out of style. The importance of getting very good rest when you're out on tour is super duper important. I bring my own pillow. Um, I'm I'm I I. Um, I think good sleep is, and especially when you're on a, you know, you're on a bus or you're in some sort of a moving vehicle yeah. that is transporting you at night, you might not get a, a solid amount of sleep. Yeah. But you also want to make sure that you can be, you know, awake and, and with it, you know, especially if you're going to go into a town that you've never been to before and you get to, you know, go around and explore too. So get good sleep. Um, you can party later. Like That's that. a very good idea. We're definitely going to clickbait, like cut out and clickbait. Um, there will always be more drugs. There will always be more drugs. <laughs> For sure. We That's definitely happening. There will always be more. <laughs> That's a really good point because I think that people do get, get caught up in that quite a lot, the party lifestyle, because mm. it's just it's hedonistic and it goes along with like the idea of rock star. I yes. guess yeah. the you know drugs and drinking. Um and it's you're not, not wrong. it's not looking too good for them anymore. Like I don't not know if really. you heard about old Marilyn Manson and Motley Ooh. Crue and the whole bit. Like everybody thought, like, oh, being a bad boy and being a part of rock and roll is you get this license to, you know, treat people poorly. And you know, hindsight, <laughs> it's coming back to bite them hard. Oh, but, yeah. you know, um, so my my advice, my advice to all you youngsters out there who want to make a career and make a music and, and make a life of it. Get those, get those Z's in you. Get some sleep. Take a nice multivitamin. Drink plenty <laughs> of water. Um, if you, if you're, if you're a religious type, if you're, you know, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, anything, take your time out, say your prayers, make sure you do your meditations. Um, that's what's important on tour, so that you can show your art to people and you can show up and be, you know, do drugs, sure, yeah. and drink also <laughs> too, sure. But that's not what it's all about. 
Yeah. Right, Craig, you need to snip those two bits together. Yeah, there's always more perfect. drugs and do drugs. Perfect. <laughs> do it, but don't let it be the whole thing that you're doing it for. Exactly. Yeah. Do the drugs. Don't let the drugs do you. That's right. Jesus. There we go. That's, there we go. That was PSA. <laughs> uh, all right. So one of our other talking touring questions is of can't live without item on tour. Pillows come up before, so that that is, yeah yeah. I mean, I've never even thought to try and take a pillow on tour. I think I'd get it wet or something. I I now that I um I didn't have it on the last tour, and that was the first time that I didn't have it. But I always have one of those this charging blocks for my phone because yeah. sometimes Very you're out and about and um every all of your information is on there your flight itinerary your show itinerary the the the, the, the where the where your vehicle is going to be where the, everything that you need to know is on is on your phone wait and if you your say phone... show itinerary not once did you read a day sheet when you were on the last <laughs> I was tour say that doesn't not sound like once. a musician <laughs> that's because every other tour manager i've ever had puts like a nice funny pun at the bottom and you had nothing funny for I me put to read jokes so at like, the bottom of mine Wasted I used to do that. That's what that was. If you had read it, you would have loved them. I used to do that, and people just ignored it. So I was like, "Well, fuck you." All then I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing is, uh, there everybody has like this new app. Like, oh, you want to go ahead and be on the Tour Buddies app? And like, I just don't want all that confusion. I just, you know, I want to go. I, I, it's too much. Some of it's too much. Like, do you use this app for tour? What about this app for tour? What about just going out there and rocking for the people? Do you know what I mean? Craig Leach? No, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Leach has never rocked a day in his life. I know, I don't rock. <laughs> I just I just do Excel spreadsheets. That's yeah. it. And <laughs> print them out with big logos on and arrows. Just a nerd with a cool punk band job. There it is, man. That's it. <laughs> That's what that is basically being a tour manager. A nerd with a cool punk band job. I wanted to be in a band, but the only thing they'd let me do is carry the shit in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mate, I haven't carried anything in for years. I don't. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I I I would load in. I would load in up ten flights of steps to play a show tonight. Oh, I would. I, I, I would do. I would litter. I, no catering. You just warm, warm bottled water from a year ago. <laughs> yeah. um, not even you know full what? bottles, unsealed. I don't even. I don't. I don't even need all the mics to work. We'll guess. We'll get motherfuckers to share. <laughs> To be honest, I'm with you 100. I would, I would go to the worst show of my entire life to do it now and do it. All I would again. do the old blue last load in, old blue just last, to do a show. You've not done that. Fucking outdoors, wet fire escape staircase in London in Shoreditch. It's fucking horrendous. Uh, just like the rickety, good. wet fire escape metal staircase that is like yeah. barely wide enough to get a fucking eight by ten up, so, like lengthways. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd take that yeah. all day right now. I would do it all in the fucking drop of the hat right now. And I, I love moaning too. about it. I feel like I'm running out of things to <laughs> moan about. Like starting to repeat my whinges to my, <laughs> my loved ones. I knew I knew that 2021 was going to be a wrap for shows. Whenever Glastonbury pulled the plug, I was like, if there's anybody that knows how to make money, it's them. Mm. And if there's a chance that they're going to go ahead and get any of that money, they're going to hold on for as long as possible. But they were like. We're not even going to spend a dollar on advertisements yeah. because we know it's a yeah, fucking it's wrap. Done. They cut yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, they called it. Uh, well, they called it exactly when they had to. Yeah. Well, they've got such a, like a. I think we spoke about another one. Um, but they've got such a long build time because they're essentially just building a city 
every single year, like all that power and everything put in. So they had to make that call, I guess, kind yeah. of early, really. But yeah, it is a real shame. I mean, hopefully, I who knows? Who knows? I mean, we've got a good rate of vaccination happening in the UK now. We have like 9 million people done or something, which is great. Yeah. We're just going to hold tight and hopefully we'll see something by the end of the summer, early autumn. I, I see pictures. Hope. I see pictures and videos on the internet all the time of bands from New Zealand and Australia oh, just playing festivals. Thousands of people there. Yeah. Everyone's in that, you know, everyone's drinking a, a Coors Light in their bikini mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to listening to some EMD band or a rap band <laughs> or a punk band. And everyone's like, there's the bills are so diverse. Like yeah. I was like, oh, this is a this is a country act with a hip hop act with a punk band yeah. and a, a DJ night at the end. Yeah. And like people are just there because they want to see live music. Well, one thing we've spoken about a lot on Talking Touring is when we can get back to this, do you think it's going to be different or do you think people are just going to fall straight back into the old habits of short-tempered, frustrated, rude, angry? Or do you reckon people are going to remember to be patient and remember that what we're doing is all here to have a good time? Like I say that uh-huh. for me, I, I was definitely stressed towards the end of, well early 2020 i was just pissed off at everything so i know that i needed a break but Mm -hmm. i wonder i feel like a lot of a lot of people were taking the music and touring for granted and i really hope people don't go back to that i don't want to go back to that i don't either and i want to i want to do things in my own life that bring me joy and that bring joy to others and I think maybe, and I'm also getting older. I'm going to be, you know, by the time touring's back in full swing, you know, I'm going to be planning for shows in my 40s. Yeah. I want to be smart about when I leave home and I want to be, I want to curate events that are memorable and special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but people, as far as selfishness goes, it's a piece of you. I mean, there's, you either have it in you or you don't. I mean, mm-hmm. the second that these things happen and you saw people buying up hand sanitizer and selling them on, 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 you know, Amazon for $30 a gallon and, you know, buying up all the baby diapers in small communities and then reselling them to the single mothers in the parking lot for $60 a bundle or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, humanity under times of stress and struggle tends to be very gross. I mean, look at what Live Nation is saying about we're not going to be paying full guarantees and looking to take 30% from bands merch fees and and yada yada yada. They're look I mean, they're foaming at the mouth waiting for these places to open back up because they know there's going to be willing participants wanting to play music and yeah. will be willing to receive whatever type of like unsightly treatment they're willing to offer. I know for me and my shit Punk rock is going to be good enough that I can find a VFW or, a, you know, or a veterans hall or an Elks club or mm-hmm. the church basement or at the library and we can rent a PA and have a show. And I like, kind of hope that comes back a bit more, actually. I don't know whether that still happens as much in the UK, but I remember when I like, go back 15 years, we used to go mm-hmm. down to the British Legion or whatever. And yeah, there would be all sorts of nights on where someone had literally hired a PA and just gone, I mean, Public liability probably didn't exist, and there wasn't yeah. insurance. And if people died, it was just like, hey, well, that happened. Like it was. They well, I just, I, I just, I just want 
punk rock should be special and yeah. it should we shouldn't i i don't want to participate i just don't want to participate in something that's ugly like that i don't want to participate i don't vote republican because i don't want to participate in that culture and that lifestyle mm -hmm. i don't i don't go to church because i don't want to feel guilty and ashamed and gross and bad and i don't want to participate in whatever this new movement of american entertainment's going to be when live nation owns all this shit and gets you to do their dances and then they're the ones who's profiting off of it okay. We've done it before in the past. Punk rock started in the basement. It's been fine for the basement. I just think that if you just have a little bit of imagination and just the slightest bit of integrity, you can you can usurp all that bullshit and create something that's special and unique. How sick would it be if you went to the high school football gymnasium and idols played in the fucking gym rather than playing the yeah. House of Blues, exactly. rather than playing a Live Nation thing? Like. Yeah. That's what punk makes punk special. That's whenever you look on, you know, NPR and you see some band who did something spectacular, it's because they thought somewhere out of the box yeah. and they wanted to make art accessible for Fugazi is a prime example of it. They yeah. booked their own shows. They brought their own sound engineer. They did their own ticketing. They never played more than a $7 show. Now, granted, that was in the 90s and money's different now, <laughs> but... Um, they completely housed it on their own and they were in control of it. And I think the opportunity and the infrastructure exists still that whenever we're able to go back to get shows, that's the culture that I want to participate yeah. in where the people and the kids and the, the people who are going to the shows are in control and we get to create something special that is available for us. And that's, that's, that's what I, I mean, certainly I'm going to go ahead and pay a hundred dollars next time Radiohead comes to town, but I'm not talking about that. No. I'm talking about like real punk shit about creating art and culture. That's mm -hmm. what I'm interested in and in, in participating in. I don't think you're alone in that, to be honest, either. I think that's that's an amazing viewpoint to have. And I was listening to a different a different podcast with a, a guy about I can't remember what I know, unbelievable, right? <laughs> um, I can't remember what band it was, but they were talking about like what kind of shit aren't you gonna stand for? Or like what are you not taking now when we come back to touring? And he was saying it was like I'm not fucking having these dog shit guarantees. I'm not doing two shows a day. I'm not taking fucking merch cuts. It's like, because you know what? I found something else I can do that works from home. I can do this and I can, I yeah. can still make my art and I don't have to be out here. So if you don't want to fucking pay me properly, you want to take fucking 30% of my merch, forget it. I'll just stay home. I got and other just, things I'll to do. I can sure. stream my show from my living room on Twitch and earn more and, fucking money. And people are doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, once Chance the Rapper got record of the year without a record label and without Insane. physical copies, yes. it changed the how do you have record of the year and you didn't have to pay a pressing fee? Yeah. Like, Incredible. You didn't, he just did it himself. And there's people who are out there who are creating new ways of doing it. There's always going to be festival. There's always going to be a 30 quid punk rock festival that no effects and bad religion are going to play from mm -hmm. now until forever, until they're, all, they're dinosaurs. You know, it's going to happen forever. But I'm talking about like, not a commodifiable piece of entertainment, but but a piece of culture, a piece of like something that we made together as a group of people. I think it's I think it's more possible now, and I think it's more achievable now. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's it, with a little bit of hard work and creativity. I think it's I think it's that's my that's what I see as my future yeah, anyway. I, I'm that's with not you to say hundred percent. That's not to say that I never want to get into a tour bus ever again or that I don't <laughs> want to play the O2 Academy opening up for a show. I certainly am will. I know how, you know, yeah. sometimes you, you have to, you, you know, to play a bigger show, you have to go ahead in, in, into the devil's gullet to do it. Yeah. Um, but as far as me being in control of my own life and my own art and the example that I want to set 
for 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 my own shit um i think i'll just be more selective in how i go about doing that exactly it's definitely it's about what you're willing to put yourself through and how you're willing to have yourself um for a better word exploited in a way you know what i mean what you're willing to put up with to get a bigger platform if that's what you're after i think is uh it's very important definitely we've just uh we've just finished a week here called independent venue week um okay and, and we did a, an episode last week um with or not last week whenever it was and it came uh, out last week <laughs> yeah and we uh <laughs> We, we got to speak to a lot of these grassroots venues that uh, have been having a really shit time for not just the last year, but for the last 10 years. And like trying to discuss the future with them. And like, is there anything similar to that in, in the States at the moment where, where grassroots venues that literally have no income at the moment are being talked about and, and artists and, and um, art creators are trying to push their fan base to their local venues i know very much so in the punk scene that that is just it's in it but is there more of like anything on a bigger scale where people are standing up against live nation maybe or or the bigger people that are going to try and monopolize this shit show there's none of that there's nobody standing up to Ticketmaster. yeah no i don't know if you remember but in the 1990s there was a little teeny band from seattle called Pearl Jam that tried to <laughs> that tried to take Ticketmaster to court for ten years and they lost. So if your if your band's not bigger than that little Pearl Jam band, there's no <laughs> there's no help there's no hope of you taking over Ticketmaster or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying my act of resistance, hopefully in yeah. other people's too, will just be to take an alternative route. You know, mm-hmm. um, if nobody buys McDonald's cheeseburgers, McDonald's is out of business. So hopefully what we're able to do is just say, we're not willing to pay that price for that product. We'd like to go ahead and create something that's different. If, you know, if House of Blues wants to rent out the small room that holds 500 people for 200 bucks and I get to bring my own soundboard, sick, we'll do a show at the House of Blues. Yeah. But I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm interested in, um, in squeezing into those spaces for just, just so that my name can be on a poster. Yeah. I just don't, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, 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 I think I'm content to not do that on my own terms. Absolutely. And I think as well, particularly now, people are realizing more and more that uh, what you said about McDonald's is that people hold the power, nothing else really. Because like you said, if no one buys a cheeseburger, then you don't make cheeseburgers. Mm. It causes that to just stop existing. So people definitely have the, the power to influence this, to move in that way that, that allows for people to have a more open space to perform in and more options available to them, which is now the case. Like we were just saying, you know, if you don't want to, if you feel like you're not going to get the right fucking deal, then yeah, cool. See you later. I'm not fucking interested in playing your bullshit. I'll just stay mm-hmm. home and I'll fucking live stream myself playing video games on the internet and someone will yeah. fucking tip me $100 by the end of the day and it'll be fine. Like, And if you just make something that's special, people will want to see it. I know that yeah. to be absolutely true. That yeah. if you create something that people want to see, you make a piece of art, you make a record, you write a story, you, you, you have a podcast, you tell a joke that people are, are, are interested in consuming, it doesn't matter if you do it on the internet. It doesn't matter if you do it in a park. It doesn't matter if you, if you charge, you know, $25 and you only let 10 people in. If it's something that's special that 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 somebody's you know that's different and unique and and stands on its own, people will come to you for it. I know I know that to be true. Um so I I I have faith in that too, I think. I completely agree. I really really do. Build it and they'll come. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, um, I, I there's a pizza shop shop up the street from our house. It's called Minio's. It was the first place that my parents ever took me to get pizza. My dad's been going there since he was a little kid. And yeah. there's a picture of me on my dad's shoulders in front of the door. And it's the family place that we've been going to, you know, forever. And one time I was I was there and I was talking to the owner, John Minio. And I said, um, you know, how come you don't put any coupons in the paper? I was giving him, I was giving mm -hmm. him some grief for not putting coupons in the paper. It said, <laughs> you don't put coupons in the paper and you don't deliver. And he was like, business is so good. We don't have to. Perfect. We're not to advertise. He has, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a built in thing that already exists and there's a, they have a fan following and they have people that, you know, if, if we just continue to do the same business that we've always done, we know that there's X amount of families that are going to order pizza from us every day. And that's more than enough for us to be in business. So we don't have to participate in all this like paid advertisement or we're going to bring pizza to your house. Yeah. Our pizza's good enough. All we have to do is open our doors and people are going to come and buy it. I love that. What a metaphor for the world. If only we could all live like that. That's incredible. Cross fingers crossed, exactly. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Well, I'll tell you what, on that note, we're actually, we've just hit an hour. So uh, let's Pretty much bang on, there. yeah. Derek, thank you yeah, so I feel much like we've for only been, joining us. I feel like we've only to. been talking for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It goes so fast. <laughs> I think I think me and, me and Liam need to reevaluate the hour limit. I think because I could chat all day with you, Derek. I love it. Yeah, I love I love you both so very much. It's so wonderful to see your faces and to hear your voices. Likewise, and, um, I uh, I can't wait for all this malarkey and hullabaloo to be squashed, so we can get back to doing what you know God's good work, what God put God's us good here work. for. Get back to, go to out doing what we do, kind of good, <laughs> and spread the gospel of punk rock to the unbelievers. That's what we're here for. <laughs> to spread the good news, the salvation power of punk rock to the unbelievers, to the sinners. And as soon as we can get back there and you know beat COVID's ass, we'll be back to playing shows. And I, I Craig, we're gonna we're gonna cuddle a couple good nights. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah.